Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. It is Wednesday, February 29th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Bob Ryer. Good evening. And on the line with Stephanie Cook. Hello. All right, so February 29th, you don't get to see that every year. No. Every four years, I think. Is really my what it, my oh, grandfather wow, yeah. was born on the 29th of February. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. There was just a, I watched that show Parks and Rec, and there's a character on that show who's kind of the sad sack character whose birthday's on the 29th, and they only <laughs> celebrate it every four years. Oh, that's rotten. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was a pretty pretty funny episode. That's it's a pretty a, funny scenario for a character. That can uh, be some really good comedy. Yeah, him. there is. He's, he, he's always the guy who kind of gets ragged on, so it's just part of the whole dynamic of the character. Oh. It's pretty cool. Um, so, Steve, last week, I helped you pick your Oscar oh, yeah. pool for JoeBlow.com. Um, how did you do? I did pretty well. I think, um, what was that? How many categories was that? 29 or 28? Something. 20, a lot. Yeah, there's yeah. 20. Above 20. Uh, let's say there were 28. I think we got about maybe like 19. Okay. Uh, maybe 20. Okay. Out of all of them. Yeah, really, we weren't that uh, that far off. There were, as I was, well, I watched them by myself, so mm. I could have like whatever reaction I wanted. Right. <laughs> so every category I was like drawing and coloring while I was watching them. Mm-hmm. And every time that they were now going to announce something, I would stop and I'd like sit there. And then all of a sudden, like they'd come up and just like, yeah, <laughs> do like all kinds <laughs> of like weird shit and celebration. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, you and I, I think, got the same score. I checked the score sheet today. Oh, they and- posted them? Yes, Ooh. I do believe they do. We both got 61 out of 100. Oh, well, that's <laughs> yes. not very good, is it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, we weren't at the bottom, right? That's true. Somebody, I believe, did get like 41, so. All right, then. You know. <laughs> I, thought we did, I thought we did pretty damn good. Um, I, well, I did great. Yeah, you won. Yeah. So I, <laughs> oh, the night that you had your... Yeah, your my Oscar party. Day. Yeah, I won, uh, well, I won the pool, and I think I got... Like six categories wrong. I only got one of the big ones, but we do kind of. I don't know how Joe Blow does it, but I do like a weighted system. So the best picture is worth more than yeah. some of the yeah. 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 short. Yeah. 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 yeah, like best pictures worth 10 points. Yeah. And then. Yeah, I do the same uh, thing. So. I did not mind uh, losing uh, my prediction to Octavia Spencer. Her acceptance speech was just absolutely awesome. <laughs> so she was so shocked and, yeah. and so sweet when she was up there. So um, the biggest surprise for me this is so weird was this, the editing category was Girl the Dragon Tattoo winning yeah. editing. Yeah, that was weird. It's weird just because that was the only thing it won for, and I don't think anybody expected it to win that category because editing I feel like is one of these categories where like the nominations get voted on by editors, but then everybody votes. So they're kind of like, well, we like this movie, so editing. You know, that's what I feel like happens. But it was cool that it won something. It was really weird that it wasn't nominated for best score. Uh, I wish I had seen it. It was very, very I, good. Very good. 
Stephanie, go ahead. <laughs> um, I thought it was weird, too, the special effects category that uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes didn't win. Oh, I agree. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, that what, was weird. weird. Yeah, that um, felt like a big upset. Yeah. I thought that was the biggest shock of the whole show, personally. Yeah. It, it also felt to me that Hugo won that, right? And mm-hmm. it, yeah. It felt, that felt to me, we're not going to give this any of the major awards, so let's vote for it for things that we can, we can say, oh, it won this many. We can give yeah. Marty something, you know, even though it's not really for him. There was some of that in the Sunday's papers where they were saying that they thought that mm-hmm. that, that split was going to fall yeah. Yeah. when the technical things. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of uh, cries along Twitter and social media outlets and we're saying, oh, it's so sad that we live in a world where we can say that Transformers is an Oscar-nominated film. And <laughs> so sad and so true. Did you see that... Uh, uh, a moment from Twilight was in the romance uh, yeah. collage. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Like trying to get the kids. I. I. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I. I. I tweeted online. I was like, "Am I? Is it my imagination, or did I really just see that?" And people yeah. were like, "Unfortunately, yes." Well, I mean, the Transformers thing getting for an Oscar. I mean, that's that's something that, that happening first since they instituted like the more technical yeah. awards. You know, like best visual effects. There's going to be movies in there that aren't necessarily great. Um, and the effects in Transformers are worth getting nominated for an Oscar. Those people sitting in front of those computers didn't write the horrible script. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. But it was a good night. I thought Billy Crystal was pretty good. Yes. Um, did what the Oscar was supposed to do. I liked his opening number. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was really good. Yeah, he did a good job and he was self-effacing enough and he was a little bit, you know, he made a little jokes at the people's expense, but he did what he's supposed to do at an Oscars, which is, everybody, let's sh- let's pat ourselves on the back. Mm. You know, that's basically what it is. Though he's catching grief about Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, really? But in the midnight... In par- no, there are people complaining about the blackface thing. Doesn't he get it? Oh, how long has he been doing that, yeah, though? Yeah, 30 years, yeah. easily. Yeah, what's the big deal? It's like you can't watch old like Saturday Night Lives and see him look just like yeah. that. Yeah, that's weird. People people always want to harp on something. Yeah, well, people like to get there, you know, up in a bunch about anything. They yeah. just, they're bored. They need something. I was more offended that Justin Bieber was in the clip yeah. than I am him doing <laughs> Sammy Davis. Uh, well, they, they made a joke about that, though, about it, like, just stay here for a couple seconds because we're going to get the kids to watch the yeah. show. That's what it was all about, which I thought was pretty funny. And we got to see possibly part of J-Lo's nipple. Possibly. Possibly. Oh, you didn't hear about this controversy, Steve? I don't need to see that. I saw the headline, didn't see the story. Yeah, when she was up presenting, like her dress, like we were sitting here, and I think it was Jeff who went, Did you just see JLo's nipple? Um oh, <laughs> it would be it would be Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back in like the U-turn days, I would have been interested. Right. But yeah. I don't know about now. I don't know if anybody was interested. Maybe that's why she like showed a little bit so she gets some attention. I think hey. one of my favorite moments is Angelina's leg followed by the descendants writers. Yeah. <laughs> adopting her pose. Um I, re- I thought Emma Stone was great. She was yes. awesome. She was funny. You Best know? moment maybe. Yeah, her old little leg. You know, and I say, it's no way, funny boy. Like that whole <laughs> yeah. thing I thought was really fun, and she was really charming. And I thought the, uh, at least the My Rudolph Kristen Wig part of the Bridesmaids Girls presenting was really great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought doing the shot when they saw Martin Scorsese, I thought was really cool. Um, I thought it was a good show. I mean, for me, it's part like there's ambience around it. Like we have the party and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's more, for me, it's more about that, you know, because we don't really listen to the presenters unless it's somebody special. So, like Christopher Plummer was great. Yeah. 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 Great speech. Yeah. I love the Robert Downey Gwyneth thing. I thought it was funny. I thought it wasn't like it wasn't quite as funny as it could have been. Mm-hmm. It went a little too far, but I thought that he pulled it off enough, you know, because he's Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, he could do basically whatever he wants. Um. Well, do you remember <laughs> seeing when that. he when he was doing Iron Man the first time? He, both he and Gwyneth were on with like Leno. 
Oh, yeah. And he was giving her grief about, you know, isn't it going to be great you're in a movie that people are actually going to see? Yeah. <laughs> that was his whole thing when he did Iron yeah. Man. Yeah. He's like, you do, we do all these great movies and nobody ever sees them. Don't you want to be in a great yeah. movie that people see? <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you want to hear more about the Oscars, uh, you can listen to myself and special guest Stephanie Cook on the Man Cave podcast. Nice. Uh, where we talked about them on yesterday's <laughs> show, so the mancavepodcast.com. Um, but it's enough about the Oscars. Let's move on to talk about some comics, do some books of the week. Um, no Ghost Rider this week, thank goodness. We don't have to talk about that again. Um, but let's talk about some good stuff. Steve, you're going to talk about uh, a comic duo you've never talked about before on the show. I never talk about the Luna Brothers, nope. Bobby. No, you don't. It's I don't even time. know who they are. I don't know who they are either. How many more books could you possibly <laughs> have to talk about? They All only have four. Them. Don't they? He's going to read now, Spider-Woman and then he'll be done. I'm making my way through them. I just recently purchased for, I got, I won it off of eBay for $11.50 in mint condition, first printing of the entire run of the sword. Hmm. So I got that and I got um, all of the uh, Spider-Woman for $10 off of eBay. Also oh, nice. in mint nice. condition with all the variant covers. Nice. Yeah. Um, but. Tonight uh, or today or whatever, what have you? When we are, whenever you're listening to this, yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk about Ultra, okay. which was actually, I believe, uh, the Lunar Brothers was their first uh, venture into the comic market. And what Ultra is is it's think of like three Victoria's Secret supermodels. But sometimes when people think of supermodels, they think of like vapid, you know, billboards for whatever. These girls are actually very, very intelligent. They're very smart. They're humanitarians. Um, they read, which is nice. <gasps> and uh, literacy is good, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're, uh, I guess, I, I don't think it was ever too clear cut, but they were all born with their, uh, with their abilities, uh, flight, strength. You know, the normal, like almost like Superman kind of thing. But mm -hmm. they're not indestructible. They can die. They can burn. They can, you know, they can get trashed. They can break bones, all that kind of stuff. But it takes a lot to get that done. Um, so the story is basically about uh, the three girls uh, named Ultra, who is our main character. And then you have uh, Aphrodite and Cowgirl, who are her, um, her like two best friends. And essentially what the story is, is in true Luna Brothers fashion, it's yet another story that's about, like, even though they're superheroes, they act so much, they, they live such normal lives, I get for celebrities, they live normal lives, that they still come off as just normal people with these tremendous abilities, Um and the focal point of the story is that the three girls actually go to a, uh, they get into a car accident in the beginning of the book, and they decide to go to a, um, what do you call it? The, the crystal ball, a psychic. A psychic. Oh my God. <laughs> the crystal ball a person. Ball? Yeah. Cinderella. I'm, I, I'm sorry. My brain is like scrambled. Anyway, they go to a psychic. The psychic does her, you know, her thing and whatnot, and predicts three outcomes for them within the next seven days. That's actually the title of the uh, of the series is called Ultra Seven Days. And one of them is that the main character Ultra will fall in love within the you know the next seven days. And it's all about a female superhero living in the limelight and being under the pressure of the paparazzi and basically looking for love and looking for like an honest love, not a glitzy, uh, you know, be with, like, another superhero type of love. She's just looking for something real. She lives a very, uh, 
like, you know, dressed down, ho-hum lifestyle outside of the outfit. She dresses in, like, sweats and a baseball cap mm-hmm. kind of thing. And um, I read the whole thing from beginning to end in, like, maybe two days. And uh, just the sense of, like, camaraderie between the three girls and the style that the the Luna Brothers always managed to find a really cool way of presenting their books. And one of the things that they did with this was that each issue and each cover was set up like a different magazine. So you had one that was like modeled after Rolling Stone. You had another one that was kind of like the magazine Wired and then Cosmopolitan. And throughout uh, each story at either the beginning or end, um, they would have articles like full page. You can read interviews with the girls and give you a lot of insight into their characters. So not only are you getting information about them through their actions inside the story, but you're getting like all of their like humanitarian acts. They've gone to Africa to do this and that, or the way that they, one of them sleeps around a lot, but she's very confident about her sexuality. So you learn about that and all these crazy things. And it's like, it's like following around superhero celebrities Mm -hmm. for, you know, several issues. It's not too long. It's like maybe like seven or eight, uh, seven or eight book run. But, um, by the time I was done with it, I was really, I was really satisfied. Um, one of the things that the Lunar Brothers happen to do is they end their books very well. I think that Bob I can attest just read to this. Girls. It really is was amazing. Yeah, um, they don't always give you like that happy ending, like it's all gonna work out because <laughs> you want it to. You know, sometimes love is really, really hard, mm-hmm. and you're gonna fall on your face, and you might not be able to get back up. So I, I liked that. I liked that it, it, it really tugged at your heartstrings, and uh, it was a very, very enjoyable read. I could, it, I mean, if, if for a first effort, if I had read this all the way back then, I mean, I would have been hooked a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm really looking forward to getting into the sword and seeing uh, what they have to offer with that. Does it have the same? I mean, you, you've said a lot about the other Luna Brothers work that what you like so much about it is that feeling of real people. You know, mm-hmm. and even though pe- these people are kind of extraordinary powers and such, do they still f- have that real feeling, or do you think that because it's their first effort, they were still kind of growing into that style? I really think that they they knew what they were doing off the bat. They just they seem to have a really firm grasp on their characters. That's I mean, even though the situations happening within their books are are really interesting and fantastic, it's mm-hmm. the characters that draw it's kind of like like the walking dead like the walking dead is about the characters mm-hmm. the yeah. zombies kind of just facilitate the rest of the story but it's about the people mm-hmm. you know like in girls it was all about the people mm-hmm. um and with this it's all about the girls particularly ultra because she is just looking for that she it's almost as if she doesn't want to be like she totally takes a stand and she realizes her duties to her city and her people as a, as a person with super abilities mm-hmm. but she just wants to live a normal life like she doesn't fly to the supermarket mm-hmm. she'll walk mm-hmm. or she'll take the subway or anything she could but it's kind of frowned upon within society that the people that you know the people that are respected kind of hide their powers during the day as to not like shove it in the public's face okay so um yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I like I've been reading comics for a while now for the last couple of months and mm-hmm. I I've enjoyed a lot of things, but as far as like finding a team or or artists and, and writers that really get to what I want to read, mm-hmm. they seem to be doing that. So, Steph, oh. did you ever uh read any of Ultra? Do you have I, any opinions? 
I own it. I haven't read it yet. Um, I've only so far out of the Luna Brothers stuff uh, read number one of Whispers and then um, part of the first volume of The Sword. Ah. So I, I, I haven't, it's something that I obviously want to read because I bought it, but yeah. <laughs> I just haven't gotten into it yet. I'm pretty sure I'll love it, but it's one of those things you gotta find time for. I think that you would be <laughs> super into it. It seems like like something you would really dig. I so. will have to check it out then. Yeah. I mean, I, ASAP. I devoured girls this afternoon. Hey. I just figured I, I, I was prepping say. to say that yeah. just that way. So I'm sorry if I was, I was waiting just, the whole time. Yeah. I say that. Now's my chance. Just sneak it right in there. It, is, it was brilliant. Yes. And in a huge cast of characters, everyone has an individual voice and a personality and an agenda. No one's mm-hmm. all good, all bad. Just spot on. Some really, really good arcs with them too. People yes. that like it's I love how you have like the asshole ends up being the hero mm. or the the bitch may you know turns around and you you feel sympathy for her and you actually mm. begin to like them halfway through the book. Mm. You know the Slacker has his moment. Right. Like yeah. like they you know, they're all people that you know. Like even in Ultra, like my sister has friends that could be these girls. You know, Mm -hmm. so I mean, they're concerned about their appearance. They're, you know, the paparazzi's always up their ass taking photos. They're constantly being watched, especially because they're superheroes. Mm -hmm. Everything that they do gets publicized, and people are cruel. Mm -hmm. And they they explore that in this from a superhero perspective, and it's it's great, awesome, yeah, awesome. Stephanie, what is your book of the week this week? Um, my book is I Zombie Number One. Um, I went back to, I, I believe this was published back in uh, 2010, so whoops, everyone, I went a couple <laughs> years behind. Um, but it's an image comics book uh, written by Chris Roberson um, and art by Michael Allred. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have read it or not. I've not, but I'm very I, proud of you. You got both yeah. those names right. Yeah. <laughs> very <laughs> impressive. I was... Well, um, <laughs> I've been I was s- debating. I was like, is it Roberson or Roberson? Oh. I shouldn't have just said anything. I should have just No, you should have skated it. right past it because nobody was going to know. Um, I've been spending a lot of time with uh, my friend Rob, who is um, he works at Tor Comics, and I've actually been putting aside uh, all of his single issues of iZombie. I've been organizing them. So I've been looking at that series for the past week and a half nonstop, and I'm, I'm making myself a complete pile so that I can purchase it all at once. So I've seen it, but I haven't read it. I really like the art style. It's it's very cool. He's the guy who did yes. Mad Men, right? I wouldn't Michael know. Red? Oh, me, Mad Man. Yeah, Mad Man. I'm yeah, sorry. I was like, yeah, I was okay. like not no, the I'm sorry. Don yeah. Draper, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm confused. 60s jet setters. <laughs> yeah. It could work. His yeah. style could work for that. <laughs> no, Mad Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. He is. He is, absolutely. But, 70, what, what were your uh, thoughts about iZombie? Yes. Um, so, basically, this is a story that obviously resol- <laughs> revolves around zombies. No, um, I don't believe it. No. No. Really? <laughs> um, but it doesn't really, like, heavily kind of play into the plot right off the bat. Um, you meet this girl named Gwen. She's a small town grave digger. Um, she has this weird set of friends. She's got a ghost that ghost best friend that's been dead for 40 years named Ellie. Mm. And she has nice. a wear terrier nah, friend. Cool. <laughs> yeah. He's he's not really, I don't know if you'd consider him a friend, but he has uh, puppy eyes for her. Yeah. Ooh. There we go. 
jokes. Terrier, dog. Bark, yeah. bark. Anyways. Oh, man. Um, I am confused. Is it a terrier that turns into a wolf or a man who turns into a terrier? What is a were terrier exactly? He turns into the werewolf equivalent of a terrier. Oh, so he's okay. a person that turns into a he's giant terrier. terrier. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. They don't really touch on it. It's just like this one panel. Like she she kind of jokes with him and then they kind of show what like he is. So I don't know if he's just a giant terrier or what, but basically in the picture it was um like a profile photo of him with clothes on with the head of a terrier. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, I don't really know. But um anyways, the thing that really caught my attention, um, not really much happens in this first issue. It's very, very character driven. Um it's building up Gwen's character and um so the first thing that really caught my attention was, again, the art. I know, Steve, you mentioned that a second ago when you were talking about, yeah, you looking through them. Yeah, it's very bright. Um, it's very, like, retro. Like, it's kind of almost like, I don't know if either any of you guys are familiar with Tara McPherson's art. Maybe? No. 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 Um, well, maybe I'll try and post a link on our Twitter tomorrow or something. Mm. But basically, she kind of has this, like, um, almost horror-ish style, like, I don't really know how to describe it. It's very distinct, though. Like, you would know it if you saw it and if you were familiar yeah. with her work, obviously. Um, but the the color palette, as far as um, iZombie goes, is very, very similar. And even the character of Gwen kind of, to me, looks like a McPherson character. Mm. Um, they kind of use this... I definitely think they are kind of um, using retro comics as an influence as well because they use um, uh, pointillism. They use yeah. like uh, the Ben Day dots. Yeah, totally. Stuff. Wow. Um, so there's a bit of that in there. So there's, lots there's a of, lot of throwbacks. Uh, like, like thick line work as well. Yeah. And the like the, the colors, like the pinks and the, and and the, the greens yellows. are really, really bright. Mm-hmm. It's very much like, um, I'm trying to think of that famous pop art painting with um, the woman's face and sure. its pointillism. Do you guys know what I'm talking yes. about? Yes, yeah. Roy, Roy Lichtenstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. It's kind of similar to that, like the style, the colors. It's very much like that. Um, but anyways, I I don't really know what else to say. Like it's, I mean, obvious about zombies, but it doesn't focus on that at all until basically the last page of the book, um, and you kind of just find out that Gwen's a zombie and she's kind of trying to hide from something in her past and uh, basically. You don't really know what that is, but she needs to consume a brain once a month in order to not get all decrepit and lose her intelligence uh, or her (laughs) memories. That's awesome. You are Um, what you eat. Yeah, that's exactly what she says. Really? (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's this one line, because she's a grave digger, because, I mean, what better way to get brains than dig up fresh bodies of people you just buried and no one will ever suspect a thing? Mm -hmm. Um. So basically, but what happens is um, when she eats someone's brain, I don't know if you guys are familiar either with um, the comic Chew. Yes, I am. Um, and when he eats something, he uh, gets a history yeah. from whatever he's eating. Anyways, the same so thing awesome. happens to Gwen. She inherits the person's memories. And um, basically at the end of it, it kind of hints that it's going to be this, um, I'll complete your unfinished business for you story. Because, um, like, this guy that she eats the brain of, he's screaming at her because he's been murdered and he wants her to avenge him. Oh, wow. wow. And 
that's sort of what it gets into. And I'm pretty sure, like, when I tell you that, it's not really a spoiler, but uh, it really, really drew me in, and uh, I really want to check out the rest of it now. What's the uh, the tone of the book? Is it is it dark and serious, like The Walking Dead, or is it a little more of a a lighter tone to it? Um, It's sort of... It's hard to kind of say. It's not light. It's a bit dark. Definitely okay. a bit dark. Um, but it's sort of like a playful dark. Okay. Um, like there's this one random kind of scene where these guys are playing paintball, and the paintball ref is this hot chick, and she turns out to like be a vampire. And mm. I, I don't know. Like it's just it's a lot of fun, and um, it's an interesting read. They kind of just spend a lot of it building up Gwen and um, her friend Ellie. Um. There's these kind of like, because I, I love the word sinister. There's <laughs> sinister, <laughs> sinister prep show, <laughs> They show up in a car and uh, they they look brooding and sinister. That's that, that, I, don't, I don't know what they're doing, but you know, <laughs> shit's going down and they're there to deal with it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Now is this so, a complete series, one to ten, twelve mini? I believe it's still going on. I, I believe okay. it's still going, but there's a couple volumes out, um, like trade paperbacks that you can okay. purchase and get up to speed on. Excellent. No, it sounds like something I should. It looks like a lot of fun. I, I like I said, I've been pawing through the um, through several issues uh, over the past few days, and I'm definitely. It's funny, like Stephanie, things that she talks about, I actually go and I I do seek them out. Mm-hmm. I have Blessed Thistle on hold. Um, I've got uh, all the Runaways I found yesterday. I've been making a pile of that. So uh, you, the blessed thistle stuff, like the covers are weird. I bet you you were like, "Oh, this is right up my alley." Yeah, no, no, no. I have it. Like it's it's ready to go. So I'm excited for it. Um, oh, you have to let me know what you think. But anyways, I zombie. I book of the week. Awesome. Um, I'm gonna go, Bob, and then you, you can go because I want to save your last. But uh, so um, this week they had a uh, they've had a sale um, on Comicsology. A lot of Justice League books were 99 cents to kind of lead up to Justice League Doom, which came out on Tuesday. And um, I picked up a, a series that I've been wanting to read for a while. It's by Mark Wade, um, and it's drawn by uh, Howard Porter. And it's called Justice League uh, Tower of Babel. Steve just brought out his Justice League Doom. Doom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, Blu-ray, baby. <laughs> it's called uh, Tower, the Tower of Babel. Now, a lot of people know kind of about this sort of secondhand um, because it's the book where you find out that Batman has dossiers on everyone in the Justice League and how to defeat them should they go bad. Should they get out of line and how to save the human race? That's cool. Um, it's just good preparation. Yeah, it's great preparation because it's Batman. <laughs> um, in this book, though, his files have been hacked by Raz Al Ghul, and now Raz is instituting these things to take out the Justice League so he can institute kind of his master plan, which is to basically destroy the world's understanding of language, so that it, the world destroys itself down to a manageable size, so he can then control the world. And he can save the world, and is a very Ra's al Ghul type mm-hmm. plan. Um, there's a lot of very interesting stuff about the book, and the ways that Batman chooses to defeat some of them. Some of them I think are extremely clever. Some of them I think are a little bit. Well, that'd be a very particular situation, or to use that correctly, <laughs> you know, right? Um, but the the way that he like, I'll give you instant stuff happens at the very beginning. Uh, there is a fear toxin he's concocted that makes Aquaman terrified of water like he won't go near that. water 
And if he doesn't get water, he's gonna die. Does he dry up? He'll dry up and die if he doesn't if he doesn't get water. Um, Other other things too. He um, he creates these nanobites that make Martian Manhunter skin like basically phosphorus, and so it lights on fire immediately. Oh shit! And the thing that Martian Manhunter fears over everything else in the entire universe is fire. So it's very interesting. You can go. um, It's a four issue series. Mark Wade is writing Daredevil right now, who's a great great writer. Very cool. Um, the the thing about it is that. And you know, eventually everyone finds out that okay, this is Batman's fault, you know. But the but the way that um, Roz, because there's no the, Batman doesn't have something in his computer to beat Batman, so Roz has to devise a way to get rid of Batman. And what he does this is the first thing you see. This is before the the title page. Is he steals Batman's parents out of the ground? Oh shit! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he says it's the one way he knows he can distract the det- the detective because he always called him the detective, um, and brings them to the Lazarus pit. Oh, wow. Yeah. And threatens to dunk them in the Lazarus pit. That's awesome. I never heard this story before. Yeah, it's great. It was really, really good. There's a couple points where it's a little bit goofy. It's not perfect. But as a series and an arc, a four-issue arc, it was great. Um, I'm not sure if the deal's still going on when you're listening to this. If it is, it, I, it was four bucks. It's four series. It's four issues. Wow. Um, Tower of Babel. Um, really cool. Really interesting. Good art. Um, and it was interesting to see, you know, after all... Because obviously, spoiler alert, Just League is going to win eventually, obviously. <laughs> oh, you ruined it. I know. That's it. I'm not buying it now. But the, there's basically a whole issue where they just deal with Batman. You know, how they're going to deal with this this thing that happened. And it, it's I, I think it was a great uh, great little run. Bob, have, did you? I, you I, I did at the time. It's What's that, six, seven years ago? It's Monday? actually 12 years ago. It's, okay. it's uh, June of 2000 was the first issue. Yeah, Porter was doing the book then. This was before they rebooted then. Mm-hmm. This is JLA, too. This is not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it wasn't Justice League. It was just the, the initials. Right, yeah. And Wade is, is always in touch with comic history. Mm-hmm. And so he manages to give you a history lesson without it sounding like one. Right, yeah. Just flows naturally. He's mm-hmm. really good at what he does. You know, the, the, the villain master plan isn't always my favorite comic book arc. Mm-hmm. You know, because I always, you know, there's always, it always can get kind of hokey, and I, I find the more interesting stuff to be the the, the relationship between the heroes, the kind of psychological issues. Sure. Um, but the good, good thing about this is it uses this big master plan to break down, like, what does it mean to be in a group with somebody who doesn't trust you, or who you can't trust, and how these relationships start to break down, and how close is Clark, really, to, to Bruce, mm-hmm. You know, and all these other things, which I well, thought was really interesting. Well, Bruce tries to explain it, as I recall. Yeah, he and does. That, you yeah. know, what was I supposed to do? Everyone gets taken over by somebody yeah, at exactly, some point. So exactly. I have to know how to stop you if you're coming after us. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting. And the way he uh, uh, nullifies Green Lantern is a really interesting kind of way. Um, really worth t- t- the read. It's in trade as well right now. You get it as in a trade. It's called Tower of Babel. It's by Mark Wade. Um, I absolutely suggest you try it out. So that's my book of the week. Um, Bob, uh-huh. crazy, crazy thing is happening right now. Bob is the only one talking about a book that came out recently. Yeah, <laughs> though, though I was going to talk about Human Torch number five from 1941, but I've decided <laughs> to move into this week's Fantastic Four number 603. All right. Uh, Jonathan Hickman continues on his quest to make this book relevant again. Mm-hmm. That is where the big stuff happens in the Marvel Universe. We're space battles and Eternals and the Kree and the Inhumans, and it's all going crazy. Mm-hmm. Is it a spoiler to say the Human Torch is back after having been dead? No, He's that's... back for six months at this point. Yeah. He's changed his character. He's finally sort of grown up. Mm-hmm. 
which is really nice to see. He's got the family thing happening. Mm-hmm. A couple of amazing moments where Galactus shows up to fight the Eternals because mm-hmm. he's been called in to do this. Reed and the the Transdimensional Council of Reeds, it's as goofy as it sounds, yeah. there are lots of them, <laughs> build this machine to take out the Eternals. Mm-hmm. And it does kind of work, yeah. but maybe not enough. Mm-hmm. And there's a great cliffhanger for what's probably the conclusion of this story next week mm-hmm. that I am not going to give away. You, you get to the last page, and it, in the great old-fashioned way of things, it's set up so that you turn the page and to see this full-page spread of something mm-hmm. and go, uh-oh. Right, yeah. Ooh, I love those. Yeah, and it's, it's a great little moment. He's really doing a great job. Uh, Barry Kitson on the arts really got this together, too. Mm-hmm. What, what I like about it is it feels to me like a serial it feels to me like last time on the Fantastic yes. Four, you know, and I like that about it because a lot of these, a lot of books I read now, Marvel's a little better about because they always have the last the re- time the, the in recap, this book, yeah. you know, this I is what that. happened. I need that. Awesome. Yeah. Because even a month away, like I'll be reading, let's say Supergirl in, for DC, a book I really like. I'll get to the next issue and I'll be like, okay, I have to go back and read the end of the last issue to really remember exactly where we are, exactly what's going on, because I've read 40 comics since the last time. You do that, that thing where like you bring out the last issue, and instead of like fully reading it, you just kind of like flip through yeah, it and yeah, read yeah. every other panel just to you know catch up and re- yeah. remind yourself of where you are. And I'll, like, they'll mention a character, and I'll be like, huh, I remember that character name, and I'll have to go back. If it's on the issue before, I'll go issue before that. You know, um, But this, because we're in a very set story, right, where... We're, where it's a huge story, but it seems to very much feel like, okay, then this happens, then this happens, this happens. Mm-hmm. And they're big sweeping things that don't feel like incremental changes. Sure. They feel like big changes. Yes. So you always know where you are. You know, when you have that the the uh, the Annihilus like fleet yeah. taking on the Kree, you know, and then there's all this crazy huge stuff and um for somebody who has never really read Fantastic Four mm-hmm. before, I started with six hundred when six hundred yep. came out. Th- Unlike uh, the Future Foundation, I, I, I can't read because I'm like lost in what they're talking yeah. about a lot of the time. This, I can read. So that remains 600. I can read all, these three issues. I'm, I feel totally good with it. I feel totally like I'm not really missing anything. Anything I am missing, they're filling in. Yeah, you've been caught up. He's done a really nice job of making yeah. sure because that was a jumping on point for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it was in the middle of a storyline. Usually that's the ending of one. It was You expected that book to end. Mm-hmm. And here's the new status quo. No, we blew it all up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta. Um. I gotta power through. Uh. Six hundred up to that because I've I've been collecting it. I've I've gotten all the issues. Uh. All three of them. But I I still haven't sat down to to get into it yet. I I think I discussed when I talked about six hundred that I read an interview with Hickman where he was saying that you know he's proud to be on this book mm-hmm. and that means something when he was growing up. I guess when he grew up, Byrne was doing it. Mm-hmm. It feels like it. It really feels like yeah. I, this is an important book, and I'm going to do important work here. And, and as, since it's been so low for so many years, right? Stephanie, have you read any of the FF here in the last I couple haven't. of months? I haven't. I've I've been wanting to chime in, but unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to check them out. But I do. I, I haven't actually read like any Fantastic Four. So if you guys are saying that it's something to check out, I will make sure to go check it out. I've only read the first original two issues so far. <laughs> nice. So. I'm I'm right with you. Only 598 uh, more to more go. go. Oh, I yeah. Do own, I do own that uh, Requiem for the, of the Silver Surfer. 
Boat of the Silver Surfer? What, the movie? Silver Surfer yeah. Requiem. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, the book, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what the exact title was. Mm-hmm. I knew I knew Silver Surfer was in the title and uh, Requiem was in there somewhere, but <laughs> yeah, no. What Hickman, Anyways, what Hickman I own did, that. Sorry, sorry. What Hickman did with 600, which I thought was great, and it keeps doing is... I know who the characters are because I've seen the movies, mm-hmm. I've seen the cartoons, I've you know have a, a knowledge of any kind of geek would have of the Fantastic Four, and the books kind of make that seem relevant. You know that what he's writing, yes. like I know the Human Torches, so I know he's kind of brash and kind of immature, and they he plays off of that very very mm-hmm. well. And in Six Hundred, they did a great job because they showed you way he was when he first gets into the negative zone and how different he is than when he when leaves. He comes out. You know, absolutely. And again, if this is. It is a team book, but this is a family. Yeah. And unless it works, mm-hmm. and you have, the, the, there's a father-mother figure, but their roles can sometimes be reversed. Sue is a very strong character and mm-hmm. has been for many, many years. And that's gotten lost lately. Mm-hmm. You know, there are way too many issues of shots of her behind. <laughs> well, let, let's do pinup shots of Sue. <laughs> no, she's a mom. Wouldn't it be nice if we treated her that way? Mm-hmm. And here, there's a lot Get of the, the kitchen. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as a damsel in distress in the first year or so of issues, until Stan even figured it out, because they were it was a work in progress. It it only works when those characters work. It can't just be beating up. There should be adventure and mystery mm-hmm. and majesty to it. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he's found that. Yeah, and there's that nice little silliness to it as well. Oh yeah, you know which which I like, which I appreciate about it. Absolutely. All right, so that's it for our books of the week. Uh, Steve, you have something interesting to talk about for off the beaten path. Yeah, I'm still laughing about the kitchen. Yeah. Thing. Anyway, <laughs> it was a good line. Did you, hear that? Yeah. Did you hear that thing I said? It was pretty funny. Did you hear that? Oh God, I'm I'm great. I'm pat myself on the back for that. Wasn't that hilarious, Stephanie? So funny. Wow. <laughs> We're friends. Ha ha ha. All right, enough. <laughs> All right, your regular so, Adam Sandler. Yeah, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, King, King of the Razzie Awards yeah. coming up. All right, let's see. Where are we? We're going off the beaten path? Yes. Okay, uh, I'm going to talk about a book from 2008. All right. Actually, uh, it's uh, put out, it looks like it's put out by both Shadowline and Image. Shadowline is a imprint of Image. That's what I... Yeah, I okay. think that's what Morning Glories was put out on under two. Ah, so there you go. There you go. We learn something new every day. Yep. <laughs> on your own show today. you yeah. learn yeah. stuff. All right, cool. All right. Um, the story is by Ryan Rubio and Thomas Boatwright. If I haven't said it already, it's uh, called Cemetery Blues. The art is done also by Thomas Boatwright. And what the story is, let me just get my notes, is it's pretty much like picture Sherlock Holmes and Watson Mm -hmm. that instead of them being like calculating, smart, you know, crime solving, whatever, make them like hapless drunks and and stick them in a much more like gothic, almost like Dracula supernatural Mm. Buffy kind of place. Gotcha. Um, and the story of this particular, uh, run is only three issues. Um, just going to say right off the bat, 
that this is one of those times where you read something, it was only three issues long, like that was what it was intended to be, mm-hmm. and you when it ended, you were just like, no! <laughs> like, I want, mm-hmm. I'd really love to see more of this, unfortunately, with it being as old as it is. I mean, I know it's only a few years. I don't think that they'll be revisiting it. Mm-hmm. I would be curious to see if maybe they did some other stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway... Uh, I also have to backpedal a little bit on um, if uh, I, I did a review uh, recently for the website of book uh, Tim McKeever's Mondo, and I I really went on a rant about how I don't like black and white artwork uh, that mm-hmm. I like color in my comics, which is true. But I think I should have been more specific and um, said that like, some black and white is too busy for me. It gets really crowded on the page when it's like really deep black, stark white, lots of line work, lots of like woodcut almost looking mm-hmm. type stuff that it, it and then mixed with like bubbles that are the size of the whole panel and it's all like crooked script mm-hmm. and bleh. Right. But anyway, um, Cemetery Blues is a black and white comic, but it does black and white in a way that I actually really enjoy where they use a lot of like um, only I could only describe it as like soft shading to highlight their characters and like fog and shadow and darkness and all of that stuff. So uh, what it basically is is uh, Mort uh, Mortimer is kind of like the Sherlock Holmes type, and his partner uh, Falstaff. They have a uh, their boss is a specter by the name of Mister Lear. And uh, Mr. Lear's actually sent them to this town because inside the forest of this town, there's a uh, there's a beast or a supernatural being called the Huntsman that is basically dispatching the town one by one. And it all ties back to this uh, black sorcerer named Orlock from Mr. Lear's past. Um, Now, wow, I didn't even need my notes. So... (laughs) um, it's really cool. It's it's a shame that it's only three issues. It does it it begins, sets the characters up, and it ends uh, just fine. But it ends on one of those notes where it really like where's issue four? Like I you know the arc is done, yes. but you just you had just gotten a taste for it and you enjoyed it. And I will say like it's it's comical and it's funny, but and it's very smart. But the third issue in particular. I was cracking up for more than half. Like the 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 later half of the final issue is absolutely hilarious, and that's when I like fell in love with it. And I thought that it was it was really cool. And then, of course, I learned that it's over. Mm-hmm. This sounds and like this should be a, a TV show or a movie. Yeah, but look yeah, at, look I really want to read the, it. Some of the yeah. art style here it reminds me of a '60s cartoon show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, see, I just looked up because I want to see tell the folks if they could pick it up, and there is a trade. Yeah. Um, on Amazon, and it has the haunting of Hernsberg, which I guess is the arc yes. that you read. Yes. As well as a never before seen series, the Curse of Wallace Manor, plus ah. two unpublished tales <gasps> of Ridley and Falstaff, the inconvenient, the inconvenience store, and Let's All Die in the Lobby. That's all in the oh. one book. Yep. Hot damn! How much is that? Sixteen ninety nine on Amazon.com. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so there you go. Um, yeah, well, then go and get that. <laughs> yes. Um, shit. Right, so, sweet. Um, yeah, no, um, the, the artwork is really cool. Uh, what particularly I really like, I like a good, like, a villain presence, like something that just looks really menacing on the page. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately for our viewers who are just listening and not looking. Right. But you can see, like, 
this beast. It's like a um almost like a like a humongous deer mm-hmm. um with a bow and arrow, glowing or um I would assume it's yellow eyes. And um it's just it's a fun it's it's a fun read. It's you don't have to think. The characters are very funny. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, go and slay the undead. And then instead of taking actual payment, all they want is a, a bar tab on the clergy to get bombed. <laughs> right. And like, you know, they go into this mission all, you know, they're still half trashed. Mm-hmm. One of them's still stuffing his face with food. Everybody's <laughs> petrified with their rifles back to back and they're just kind of chilling out. And it's a, it's an approach to the whole like Winchester Brothers supernatural mm-hmm vibe of monster hunting Mm -hmm. that made it really really cool with a little bit of mystery they save like who the huntsman is until the last issue and everything is explained in a in a really cool manner there's a love story going on in the background with another character named uh throxmorton he's like your your cliched wimp of the book who has to rise to the occasion blah 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 anyway uh, now that we know that the trade exists, um, I highly recommend it. For only sixteen ninety nine, if you're going to get all that, it is more than worth it. I uh, I got this for three dollars for the three issues. Awesome. So yeah. I am more than prepared to uh, spend a little bit more to get the whole thing. Awesome. Okay, so that's book of the week. It's uh, sorry, off the beaten path. It sounded really, really interesting. It's cool. Um, awesome. All right, so we're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back with some news. Think that you know, in my ducks when he calls um, him a cake eater. Yeah, I was like, is that like a racial slur against white people? I never understood. I still love meant. the uh, the the purse full of dog shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so great. I watched that movie a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> I watched it four quack, months quack, ago. Quack, yeah, quack, 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 we actually quack, did that quack, once, quack, like for quack. our cheer before the game. Every time I see Emilio Estevez, like that 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 little short with uh, Martin Sheen when he comes out to introduce that movie, I'm <laughs> yeah. like, Coach Bobby. Yeah. He got fat. <laughs> See, we were uh, in the late 70s. We had a softball team and we had no sponsor. So we had a graphic artist in our neighborhood and we picked <laughs> the biggest thing we could come up with that was in comics at that point. And we had Howard the Duck on our shirt. Oh, boy. Oh, man. The cover of Howard the Duck 1 has him with a sword. It was replaced, with a, it was replaced with a bat. <laughs> mm. And we were a rather rowdy bunch of teens and 20s and we were playing... In nothing to Stephanie, but the Brentwood Postman's League. It was a little town over by us. Our home field was in the on the grounds of Pilgrim State Mental Hospital, the largest oh. asylum in the United States. I've been there, and we I, well, we patient, we outfitted the <laughs> girls, the, the, the sisters, and the girlfriends and the wives with duck calls, nice. and scattered them through the stands. Sounds sexy. And on top of it, the the maniacs adopted us as their home team. Mm. So eventually, we had this one guy who would who would we played Sunday morning. So the fog you have to picture the fog drifting across the grounds of a giant mental institution, <laughs> and people wandering out of the buildings with bathrobes and their breakfast stuffed into their. All you need chest. is the uh, Silent Hill That's sirens. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we had this one guy who would stand on the top of the bleachers and scream down at the umpire and in a half-remembered in his madness thing, yelling, kill the emperor. <laughs> 
So eventually, since we weren't winning too many games, we were about 500. We got to the playoffs, and that was about it. We actually sent him out to argue with the umpire, which nice. got us, which got us not a whole lot of respect for the umpire when we sent out some maniac with like ants crawling up and down That's <laughs> and awesome. scratching themselves. That's awesome. Is this pre- I grew up in like. Oh, sorry, Stephanie. Go ahead. Go. Oh, oh way, I swear. Way before the movie. Okay. 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 Go ahead. I swear. Steph. Last thing. I grew up in like the town. This has nothing to do with sports, really, but it just made me think of it because of the asylum. I grew up in the town in Canada that has the most prisons per capita. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. If somebody's escaped, it's probably from Kingston, one of the penitentiaries there, one mm. of like the 50. I think Paul Bernardo was actually there. Anyways, irrelevant. No, but, but there's but this no, it one that has like it... turrets and stuff. And I thought it was Disney World when I first moved to Kingston. <laughs> and my parents let me think that it was Disney World. Oh, wow. <laughs> You'll never want to leave. <laughs> my mom, I got in a fight with like my mom when I was a kid. And my grandma was staying with us. And I'm like, Grandma, I'm going to run away to Disney World. And she was like, where's Disney World? Because she's just, you know, whatever. I'm like, there's Disney World. She's like, don't run away to there. <laughs> <laughs> Did this influence your hockey style, you think, having all these prisons around? Maybe. Yeah. I, th- I definitely went to school with a girl who was on the Maury, Maury show. Maury Povich. <laughs> yeah. Incarceration, yeah. bitch. And it terrified me because, like, she was in my art class. And then I went home and watched Maury with my friend while we were, like, doing homework. And I'm like, that girl sits beside me. Oh, my God. She's so scary. <laughs> What was it DNA testing or? No, it was one of those girls that was so bad she had to be sent to boot camp. Nice. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> so just so you guys know, we've been recording for the last like four minutes. So, Excellent. Um, uh, no. Yeah, all that's on is going right into the show. So nice. It's going to happen. Um, but we are back, and we're going to be talking about <laughs> some news that's happening in comic world. Um, before we get into any like really, no, this is a little comic book related actually. I'm jumping the gun here, Stephanie. Um, there's a story that you're not so happy about, the Lucy Liu story that we're going to talk about, but there is a comic book story that kind of relates in a tangential way to that. And Do you want to maybe tell the folks at home about that? I can definitely do that. Um, so for <laughs> everyone out there who, you know, reads comics, which would ideally be all of you, mm-hmm. um, you may be familiar with the new series Moriarty. Mm. I believe it's it's based on this series, correct? Yes. Um, yes. Anyways, so this comic... It's obviously from the perspective of Moriarty, who is Sherlock Holmes's nemesis. Mm-hmm. And um, it's getting a musical. It's becoming a musical. Um, <laughs> I think it actually sounds really cool. It could be really cool. Absolutely. It's, I believe that it's actually penned and, and orchestrated by the creators. That's awesome. Yes. As long as it's not Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes. No, I don't think you really make musicals anymore. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, For some reason, all I can picture, though, is like this... Moriarty becoming like, um, oh, what's his face is Jason Siegel's uh, like puppet musical from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That Die. would definitely be awesome. Die. But that's not, it's not puppets, everyone. <laughs> I think it would be really cool to see like a, a true comic like from the creators themselves. As I mean, I am not a musical person, mm-hmm. I've seen maybe three in my whole life. Gotcha. Um, but you might be able to get me into the seat for <laughs> Moriarty. Uh, I've always liked the character a lot. Uh, and uh, like I said, just knowing the people that are involved and knowing that it's their vision, they're calling the shots, that's going to be like their true representation of their book might be, might be pretty cool. Yeah, And it is focusing on the first arc from 
uh, the series. Like that's what the story for the musical will be. Interesting. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. That is something you don't really hear very often, especially because it's not. I mean, take a property that's already known. I'm sure that comes mm -hmm. out obviously a very well known property and having kind of a resurgence right now in a, in a lot of ways. Um, to to pick a l relatively little known comic book adaptation, comic book and make an adaptation out of it is an interesting, I think, idea to, to work, go over that way. Work for Wicked. Especially. Did work for Wicked. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Did work for Wicked. That was a book that nobody well, was Wicked reading. Wicked was yeah. a book, yeah. yeah but nobody but then, really knew the book, book until awesome. yeah. the play. Yeah, I mean, the, the book yeah. and the play is awesome. Yeah, the, the book became ultra famous because the play got big, you know, mm -hmm. um, the book is way better than the play, but yeah. I, I don't know. I read the book first and then I saw the play and they're both, they're very different. They're very, very different. They are very different. The, I, the, the musical has like some great songs in it. Mm -hmm. And the book doesn't, I would think. No, the book has no, no. Book has oh. no songs, Bob. It's <laughs> preposterous. Damn. Yeah. Stupid books with, and their stupid words. It has words, words though. <laughs> <laughs> now with words. Now with words. <laughs> we do um, have a story about a book that has talking, though. Oh, we do have the, the 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 talking comic book cover, which every time I say it, I like I think we're oh, talking right. about our website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a book coming out from Valiant that has a QR code on it, which you know you take a picture with your phone and then it's gonna talk to you. Mm -hmm. Oh, so it's not. Which it's, kind of skeeves me out. Yeah, it's not like inlaid like one of those like birthday cards no. <laughs> that you open up no. with a big blob. That's what the, I thought it was yeah. gonna be at first. Well, no. my last birthday, I got a singing toilet bowl. My. Nice. Yeah, and then uh, the year before that was a hamburger. It's got Lightning McQueen in it, and you're gonna be like, "Kachow!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> um, but um, so that's good news. Moriarty musical. It sounds like it's gonna be good news. Um, obviously, we won't know until we hear some of the music. But Stephanie, there's another Sherlock Holmes story that seems to be kind of close to your heart. You've been kind of belly aching about this adaptation for a while now. I want you to tell the folks at home what's going on with uh, CBS's Elementary. Well. For everybody who, you know. Well, oh, well. We hear this coming a mile away. Go for it. <laughs> okay, so I hope a lot of you are familiar with BBC Sherlock. If mm. not, you should definitely watch it because it's like seriously amazing. probably the best thing on TV. It's pretty amazing. Um, anyways, so as per usual, the U.S. has to make something, you know, take this and turn it into something of their own so they have elementary coming out and um they've cast their john watson and um it's going to be lucy lou what yes uh. lucy lou is going to be playing joan watson who hey is, um, oh, what a turnaround you like that a, yes yeah everybody else is gonna like that too she's going to be playing a surgeon who is like i think a dishonorably discharged or something <laughs> Like the story, of, like John Watson, that's, yeah. that's the yeah. story of John Watson. Yeah. From Afghanistan, which you can do again, because yeah. that's what happened to him. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So, uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm already not too thrilled with who they've, like, they picked um, Johnny Lee Miller to play Sherlock. Yeah. And now Lucy Liu. And I, I, I just don't know how this is going to pan out. Well, Johnny Lee I, Miller is I know is they're a trying to go for this shock factor. factor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For Lucy, Sorry, yeah. Sorry, Johnny Lee Miller is a relatively famous British actor. He was in Train Spotting. Oh. Um, and he was in mm -hmm. the fifth season of Dexter. Who is he in Train Spotting? Um, I can't remember his name. I haven't seen that movie in so long. Just give me the, Phil. 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 <laughs> wasn't Spud, right? Um, I'm looking at it right could've now. Been. It could have been. Um, Stephanie, well, why aren't you ex happy about this? There's been lots of Sherlock Holmes adaptations before. You know, it's not like BBC owns Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. So, w what upsets you about this? 
Well, I mean, it's because I think more that it's mostly trying to be BBC Sherlock without, you know, um, BBC did threaten to sue CBS over this because CBS asked for permission to do an adaptation of Sherlock. They said no, and they still went ahead and did it anyways, and they just tweaked right. little bits of... And I think Lucy Liu being cast is their way of being like, see, it's we're not doing the exact different. same thing. It just seems like so, such I mean, a... Like a, I don't know. I, I, you can't. Unnecessary. It, yeah, it's an unnecessary yeah. choice. I mean, I can't say that it's Hollywood, but it's like all these all these shows that they don't make it past the pilot or they don't make it past two or three episodes that they're just trying to find these actors and actresses and stick them in something that they're hoping will work. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know that having her. First of all, having it be a female. Uh, I mean, I know you you can do that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it really matters. That is, yeah. you know, that doesn't matter to me. All right. um, I don't know. But Lucy Liu. Somebody mentioned. I don't know what the context was exactly, but on Twitter they were talking about how Morty Artie should be played by a dog in this series, and then that got me thinking that they should cast Wishbone for anyone who's ever seen Wishbone, and then maybe I would watch this series to see a talking dog from my childhood. Wishbone being a TV show about Sherlock Holmes. Wishbone? Yeah, do you guys don't know Wishbone? No. I do. Oh, God. <laughs> now you don't know Reboot. You don't know Wishbone. What is wrong with you guys? I know both. <laughs> you just don't <sighs> listen to me when well, I talk. Apparently what? also, what was I going to say? Johnny Lee Miller, sorry, going back to him, he actually appeared on the stage. He did a stage production of uh, Frankenstein with Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Apparently. So, yeah. you know, maybe CBS is like, well, this is the closest thing because he's been like, he worked with him. Six we'll degrees just... of cumber patch. Um, yes. Sick boy in train spotting. So he played sick boy. Um, I, I have less of a problem with this. I mean, oh. I don't think that it degrades the British version in any way. And also, there's been six million versions of Sherlock Holmes. And, mm-hmm. and sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, even Dr. House, like House is the adaptation of Sherlock. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think it sings a little bit because of the fact that they asked the BBC to remake their show. They said no, and so they went ahead and did something anyway. Right. But the, the fact is, you know, I love Stephen Moffat. He does Doctor Who. I think he's genius. He has no right to tell, neither is BBC to tell them that they can't do it. Obviously, they have these things about marketplace confusion, or thing like you can't, you know, you right. can't make a show that's an exact copy of ours and do the same exact things. But if it differentiates themselves enough, and if the show's good, then it'll be cool to have two really good Sherlock Holmes. It won't be as good as Sherlock because that's nearly impossible. No, um, well, I'm gonna have to come after this one and watch it. I guess. Yeah, you're gonna have to, Bob. Um, but um, and you know, who knows if the pilot even get picked up. You know, that, that's that's the thing. It, it might exactly. it might make the pilot, it might be hated by the executives, and it might never see the light of day. It could be Wonder Woman and Ex- just disappear. Exactly, exactly. Who knows? They'll just, they'll make it that much more appealing because they have Lucy Liu and she'll just like, Karate you know, kicks. be all, and... ah, stripper! And <laughs> she'll just take off her clothes and then people will be like, ha, ah, we have to pick this up. She's so hot. I don't know. That's elementary. Wow. (laughs) On that note. Yeah. On that (laughs) note. um, From something (laughs) that might not see the light of day to something that didn't see the light of day, um, there's a book coming out called um, Development Hell, and it's by a film journalist named David Hughes, and he basically is writing um, a book about all these different films that got stuck in Development Hell. Um, You know, uh, 
for films that were both realized, like Indiana Jones 4 and Total Recall, to abandon like Crusade, Crisis in the Hot Zone, um, Fantastic Voyage, the Neil Gaiman Sandman movie. Come along and ride. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the more interesting things that came out in the comic book realm is they talked, there's a whole chapter about the different Batman adaptations. And this one specifically is about um, the Batman versus Superman movie that was supposed to come out, which is going to reboot both of the franchises, basically. Um, and it was written, a script writ, uh, by Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven and Sleepy Hollow, with a polish by Akiva Goldsman, who wrote <laughs> Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But the pitch was this, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll read the pitch out, and then you tell me what you think of the pitch. Okay. Um, despite that talent that was involved, um, I think that's the most I'm about to vomit. Yeah, yeah Akiva that was the most reaction we ever got out of you about anything. Yeah. Oh, those two movies. Next, go, moving on. Chill. So here we go. The story begins five years into Bruce Wayne's life post Batman, having put his costume back into the closet following the death of Robin. He has settled down, married a woman named Elizabeth, Thank God. and is Elizabeth. happier than ever. Over in Metropolis, however, Superman has not been so lucky in love, having been dumped by Lois Lane due to the myriad difficulties of being Clark Kent's girlfriend. When the Joker, previously thought to be dead, kills Elizabeth with a poison dart, Bruce takes it hard. First, he blames Superman because the Man of Steel saved the Joker from a fatal beating just before the murder. Second, he resumes the mantle of Batman, not this time under any pretense of metering out justice, but for the sheer cathartic pleasure of beating up bad guys. Superman, who has been, uh, has been busy wooing his first love, Lana Lang in Smallville, tries to talk Bruce out of his vengeful ways, an act which ultimately pits the two heroes against each other. Eventually, it transpires that Superman's nemesis, Lex Luthor, was behind the Joker's return, hoping that Batman and Superman would kill each other. Instead, the two heroes unite to defeat first the Joker and finally Luthor, the man fundamentally behind Elizabeth's death. That is underwhelming. Uh, Written by focus group fanboys. That is just, let's throw everything into the mix that sort of Mm -hmm. people might recognize and come up with a a glop. That does not sound like a movie I want to see. I want to see George Miller's Justice League movie. M. Night Shyamalan is going to... Yes, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go for it. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan. Say, it just sounds like M. Night Shyamalan's going to come out of the corners and be like, and then everyone's dead. Yeah. <laughs> but they're know. not really. Twist. Re- uh, how far along <laughs> did this get? Really far. I mean, it got fast track. Wolfgang Peterson was around to direct the movie. Um, and the front runners um, for Superman Clark Kent were Jude Law and Josh Hartnett. <laughs> Dreamy and uh, Bruce Wayne, uh, Colin Farrell, and Christian Bale actually were the front runners. Even even then, Christian Bale was a front runner for um, his role uh, of Batman. Um, but uh, it got it kind of went away quickly because uh, Alias creator J.J. Abrams turned in a Superman draft for a new Superman film, and so they kind of that can that, and then. All, all the other stuff started the happening. Stuff, sure. yeah, yeah, and after that, and after that, and then Arafnowski was going to make year one, and then all this other stuff happened. We finally got to Nolan doing what uh, he was going to do. Um, Much happier with that than with that synopsis right. you just read us. Interesting, you know, it's interesting when you see these behind the scene things, I think, and you kind of see what could have been and what might have been. And that synopsis does not sound overwhelmingly interesting to me. Um, and I think that Wolfgang Peterson hasn't made a good, a really good American film. You know, um, ever so. You know, there's uh, flaws in all. Yeah, of them, Air yeah. Force One and Perfect Storm mm. and uh, and the Line of Fire. And the Line of Fire is, is the closest to a good one. Is the closest to it's a very good one. Sorry, uh, never made a great American film. I'll revise yeah. my thing. A Dust Boot is a great movie. Yes. Um, 
But Steve, what do you think of that synopsis of a Batman versus Superman movie? Like it sounds pretty boring, Bobby. Yeah? Yeah. Well, what would you like to see in a Batman versus Superman movie? Lots of ass kicking. Lots <laughs> Um, I don't know. Uh, I've never, to be honest, I've never really thought about it very much. Mm. Um, <sighs> it seems like a, I, I just don't know what kind of, I mean, I, I've read a few comics where they've, you know, they don't see, I, I, my problem is the things that I've read, I've never seen them actually battling it out. Mm. Like I've always seen them arguing or talking about kicking each other's ass that I'm not really sure who would stack up against who like i don't know right. what batman could do to stop superman aside from having like bat kryptonite come <laughs> flying out of it you know mm-hmm. like use them as like brass knuckles or something right but um what kind of superman batman movie would i like to see um i think it would be cool to have kind of the um like the the villains crossover or mm-hmm. there be maybe just a better plot but have them working together Mm-hmm. that perhaps like the big reveal towards like the third act is that you know both plans to do to do each hero in were working in tandem with one another mm-hmm. and that there's like you know some kind of um like <clears throat> people always complain that they make movies where there's too many villains mm-hmm. i think that the reason why that doesn't work is because they try to give each villain their own scenario, their own caper, their own plot. Mm-hmm. But if you had all these, you know, a couple of villains, say like maybe like four or five, that they all like scenes of them all sitting around a table mm-hmm. and working out, devising a plan that each one of them plays a part, but to the same end, mm-hmm. I think would be really cool that if they created a tragedy so strong that the two of them had no choice but to want to rip mm-hmm. each other apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what that would be, mm-hmm. but that would be my idea for a good Batman Superman is to involve enough people that you could have a really big plot, but have everybody play their part right. in it. Mm. See, I'm more for the... Uh, my reference would be Strangers on a Train, but for you guys, it would be Throw Mama from the Train. I know, I know it's Strangers from the Train. <laughs> where it's, you trade off <laughs> murders. Owen! Right. <laughs> So, uh, actually, you were in the, my store a week or so ago, and I showed you that trailer that the guy made. Who He did Batman Dead End. Yes. Oh, Batman yeah. Alien Predator. But he great. also did a World's Finest World's trailer. World's Finest is great, yeah. Which, that's the kind of Batman Superman movie. I want to see all the villains involved interacting. Yeah. And, yeah, there's a conflict between the characters because they're divergent. They're, mm. They look at things differently. Yeah. And so there's disagreement that gets to be a team-up. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's it's Ant May versus Galactus, Batman versus Superman. It doesn't quite work in right. weight class. Well, <laughs> no, not at all in weight class. But I mean, the, I mean, the, probably the, one of the most famous, if not the most famous, Batman versus Superman is the is the Dark Knight Returns. Yes, and that is Batman throwing everything he has on the table in, in a fight that he doesn't think he can survive. Mm-hmm. You know, just to kind of prove a point, and more than yes. anything else, you know. And that's the only way it works to me. You know, I mean, Batman can outsmart Superman. He can figure out a way to outsmart him. But all Superman has to do is get a lucky hit in. One shot, and <laughs> it's all over. You know, the only thing that Superman is working against him is the fact that Superman is not going to kill Batman. Yes, he is still the Boy Scout. You know, so that's, and Batman uses that against him. He uses it against him the fact that he doesn't want to hurt, you know, Bruce. I wouldn't mind seeing a Dark Knight Returns movie right. at the end of this cycle. Yeah. yeah. Five, ten years from now, bring Christian Bale back. Right, yeah. 
even more crackety. What could his voice sound like 10 years from now? He'd probably sound... I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. probably sound like Nick Nolte. No, yeah. my... <laughs> or Billy Crystal doing Nick Nolte. You gotta put the pills on the table. <laughs> um, my impressions are not on tonight. No, you're a little lacking in the voice. It's the sparkling wine we're drinking. It's not we're making the, uh, the throat what it needs to be. You need bourbon for that. Stephanie, any interest in Batman versus Superman or you just don't care? No, I don't care. From what Steve was describing, it sounds like that... Uh, this is war, or this means war movie. That spy versus spy thing. <laughs> you just oh, Lord. fight over. I feel like Steve's version of the movie, where they need to have like some deciding factor to kind of want to beat the crap out of each other, would be like some. They would make it some stupid girl romantic like plot, and it'd be like. They both have a love interest. We're dating the same, same woman. Girl. The same woman. Oh, and they need to kill each other for her. <laughs> Cut to right. the gunshots. And, uh, Cut to falling off the elevator. <laughs> um, the death of Tom Hardy. So, I mean, that just sounds not good. Yeah. The, so, the incorporation. I, I, sorry, just let me go ahead. Oh, no. I just don't think I would have any interest in seeing it. I really enjoyed, like, um, the animated movie, the... Uh, Batman Superman Apocalypse mm-hmm. or Superman. But I mean, as far as like a live action thing, eh. Gotcha. Mm. I think it'd be no, great to me. do an animated version, like a straight yeah. animated version of that. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, we are talking live action here. So. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't think it could be, I think it would be like, you know, the previous Batman movies or something. It would just not be good. Um, it, I mean, mm. no, go ahead, yeah. Stephanie. Stephanie, go. Meh. Yeah, no, just meh. Okay. I I just don't think, unless you had like a really solid story, it just wouldn't work. It would be a joke. I got you. Uh, I mean, what you were saying before about all the villains incorporating, I think that's what Nolan did so well in Batman Begins. Yeah. Because he has disparate villains that are all working towards the same goal, basically. And by incorporating them into that, I think that really helps that story. I think it's the the thing about Batman Begins that's better than The Dark Knight. Because I feel like the, the Joker... Two-faced incorporation of those two stories is not as well done as the Scarecrow, Ra's al Ghul, um, Falcone uh, integration. Um, but so we do not approve of Batman versus Superman. Um, Bob, do we approve of DC's new um, design for Robin Earth 2? It's a lady. Yes, because it is a combination of the Robin outfit you're used to. Mm-hmm. And way back, and I think it's... Justice League 39 and 40, one of the Earth 2 crossovers, you see a grown-up Robin, mm. and he looks remarkably like that. That is a throwback okay. uniform, so to speak, using a baseball reference. Mm-hmm. It is very nicely done. Awesome. So Earth 2 Robin approved. It's uh, Kevin Maguire's design for Robin. You can find it on uh, Comic Resources. They have a story about it. You can check that out. Um, another quick fire story. Uh, they changed the name of the Avengers in England to Avengers Assemble, as not to be confused with the television show, The Avengers. Which, of course, brings up the fact that uh, many years ago... Oh, stop laughing at me already, no, but I, I say many I, years I'm, ago. I'm bracing myself for it. I'm like, here okay. we go. <laughs> um, the Avengers television show actually began over there in 1961, before the Avengers book here when they decided in 66 to do an Avengers television show comic book at Gold Key, 
they couldn't call it the Avengers because <laughs> the name was taken. So it's Steed and Mrs. Peel, as is mm-hmm. Grant Morrison's miniseries, mm-hmm. to not have right, yeah. this crazy confusion. That would be really confusing if that book was called the Avengers to people. <laughs> There'd be some pretty disappointed kids. A guy with a bowler hat and an umbrella. All I keep hearing is the old Genesis game where you had you had Hawkeye, Silver Surfer, and uh, Iron Man and Captain America, mm-hmm. and it was like it was a side-scrolling beat 'em up. Okay, it was one of the best games I've ever played in my life. It was so awesome, and every time I hear Avengers Assemble, that's the first thing you hear when the start screen comes up. <laughs> it's a it's a really cool name. It's on all the posters, and mm. and and that's kind of cool. It would be nice if that was the title here. I don't uh, think I, it needs to be the title. It should be the Avengers. I guess. Why should I, it be the Avengers? There hasn't been an Avengers movie before. There's no confusion here. No, they're assembling them for this movie. So it's Avengers <laughs> Assemble. Yeah, but then that starts that whole thing, which that whole subtitle thing, which I feel like is like the bane of sequels like right now. <laughs> I, I, yeah, what is the exact title of X-Men 2? It's X2... Sophomore year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's X, X-Men... Well, really... What, what, just what, they, what they wanted it to be was second class. It was X two. No. <laughs> yeah. no, it was X two for the longest time, and then like months before the movie came out, like a month before the movie came out, the Fox issued a bunch of new posters that said X two X Men United. Yes, okay. Um, even though that's not what the movie was ever called, because the 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 title card of the movie does not say that. And not that they were broken up after the first movie, particularly. Yeah. So yeah, I think they. Useless. It's just they don't want people to be confused about what it was about. Now I'm confused. It's a very. It's a very. Odd Ten years later, now I'm thing. confused. Like we can't just call it Transformers Two. To call it Transformers, what the hell was it called? The second one. Rise Revenge of the shitty rise movie. Rise of the Rise of the Poop. Yeah, Revenge of the Poop. Revenge of the Poop. <laughs> Return Sorry. of the Waste of Your Money. Yeah. <laughs> Um, can we just say two? I, I, the subtitle thing like bugs me. I get, it got to a point where when it was like Iron, when they said it's Iron Man two, I was like, oh, thank God! Yes. It's not like Iron Man. Well, even like ass. with Tintin, like Adventures of Tintin is still like a pretty long title, and then like the Tintin is Adventures of Tintin: Secret of the Unicorn. It's true. Like I had to write out the release information on that for like Joe Blow, and I'm like, this entire just the name of this is my like longer than my headline is allowed to be. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's time for yeah, ellipses. Go, go dot, over dot, the little dot, tin tin dot yeah. dot dot. Fine, they'll get it. The little bubble, the little extra tidbit bubble that we're allowed. I always go over capacity on that. They uh, they cut out the, um, the the curse of the unicorn or whatever it was for the American release. Yeah, for tin for tin tin. But those are books, so that makes a little more sense mm-hmm. to me. You know, but yeah. it's like Lord of the Rings: Return of the King because that's what it's called. You know, it's not yeah. Lord of the Rings three. Because that would bother me. Yes, that, would that would really be bother bad. me if that was what it was called. It's like when people say The Watchmen and not Watchmen, it really bothers me. It's huh? a really yeah. stupid l- little pet peeve of mine. Um, I hear you. Yeah, it bothers I'm, me. I'm with you. I'm like, just Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, so that was a little quick on that one because there's not really much to say about, you know, it's just called a different name. Yeah. Um, so speaking of crappy X-Men movies, um, <laughs> even the X2 is great. I just wanted yeah. to seg- find some sort of segue there. Um... X-Men Origins Wolverine had Ryan Reynolds playing Deadpool. And there was a lot of outcry from fans because yeah. they turned Deadpool into a mutant creature that had its mouth sewn up. When the whole point of Deadpool, whether you, whether you hate him or love him, is because he talks all the time. And you the cast... The Merc with the Mouth. The Merc with the Mouth, exactly, Stephanie. And they cast someone perfect to play that role because he has the same mouth. As, the gift of gab. Yeah, exactly. And they stitched his mouth. So... 
but he's always been talking since the movie came out about them doing a Deadpool movie. And recently on a press tour in England for Safe House, a movie of Denzel Washington, he talked about, he was asked about the movie and he said that he's read the script and it's really good. And they asked him about the kind of correlation to Wolverine. He said, there's no correlation. He's like, there's absolutely no correlation. He said, it's, it's going to be rated R. It's going to be foul mouth. It's going to be all these things. No, Bob, I know that you do not like the character of Deadpool. Nope. At all. So none of this excites you, right? No. No. No, no it would be, I'd be hard pressed to go to the theater, mm-hmm. have to get great reviews, okay. and have to be going with the right group. I'm right. with Bob. Okay. I don't, I, I've never read anything of his. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't particularly like Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Uh, when he's, I mean, I, from what I understand, Deadpool's kind of a comedic mm-hmm. superhero. Yes. So maybe, because I do like him when he's trying to be funny, mm-hmm. but I mean, Green Lantern, I mean, I know I know you enjoyed it, but mm-hmm. he's got this like man boy quality to him. Like he's always like perpetually wet his pants or he broke his mother's <laughs> vase and she hasn't found out yet. And um, I don't know. I and, and Marvel versus Capcom 3, he never shuts up. Yeah, he has something to say for every fucking move that he yeah. does. And when people play him against me, I just, I want to kill them. He does the gun noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like his special where he grabs a super bar and he starts yeah. smashing him and everything. But like, yeah. that uh, was that? Uh, pineapple surprise! Yeah. Pineapple surprise! Like every three seconds. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. So, I don't know. I'd have to see some some stuff on it but I mean mm. I know a lot of people that are into Deadpool I've just never been exposed to him so I mean I might be eating my words in a, in a couple of months or a year or whatever the hell it is right Stephanie do you have any opinion about Deadpool um I mean I'm not too familiar with him but mm. I'm I mean it would be another one of those things where I'd need to see how it's kind of building up but I'm definitely kind of curious because I mean Ryan Reynolds can be a terrible actor but he can also be a really good actor too mm-hmm. so I mean I would be interested to see that him in that role, but it would have to be sort of under the right circumstances. Otherwise, it would be one of those things that I would likely watch when I was like drunk with some friends <laughs> to make fun of it. Like so. Ghost Rider's Spirit of Crap. Yeah. Yeah, that subtitle. one's going to be one of those <laughs> yeah. drunk, oh my God, can you believe how bad this is? <laughs> Anyways, that, um. that, uh, yeah. I mean, the one scene in Wolverine I feel like that has any energy is that scene in the elevator when they're going up and he's like, he's doing his thing. He's talking, yes. he's, he's blabbing around and then he does that really, you know, he like cuts the bullet in half with the sword or whatever, which is ridiculous. But that scene I like in that movie. It's one of the few scenes I like in that movie. And um, Steve, yes, you still got something. Yeah, I just wanted to say, I have uh, my, my friend's father gave me an early, early copy of Wolverine Origins or whatever. Yeah. And it's with all of the effects removed. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, really? like, the wire work mm-hmm. or the, the the truck is missing. Mm-hmm. Um, the blades don't come out, but the car's still getting smashed up. And mm-hmm. it is, it was so much better than the actual movie. <laughs> it was hilarious. You should watch it with me that, sometime. That's actually the one I've seen because I great. may or it was may so not awesome. have. You know, watched it before it came to theaters somehow. I was like, this is hilarious. And then I watched the actual movie and I was like, eh. I did not watch the actual movie. I thought the actual movie without the special effects was horrific enough. (laughs) So I I didn't watch it a second time. So Bob, why do you hate Deadpool so much? He never shuts up. (laughs) That's all it has. It's just, Mm. it's grating. Mm -hmm. Uh, Humor in character is great. The thing, Mm Spider-Man... 
if it never stops, it's not comic relief. It's just on my nerves. Right. Okay. It's so, like hanging out with a comedian. They're always on. It's true. Yeah. They never shut up. They mm-hmm. think everything's a joke. Mm-hmm. It's true. You know, like, can you just just be a normal human? Just be my friend <laughs> right. for a minute. Just yeah. shut yeah. up and be, yeah. you know, oh, no, 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 the other day. Oh, you, you got to hear this. This is great. This is yeah. great. Like, oh, no. They're always trying totally. to get out I've on had, you. Like, I've had yeah. three friends in my past. They're all gone. Mm-hmm. So if that says anything about them. But I've had three friends in the past that were uh, actual comedians. Mm-hmm. They were really fucking annoying. <laughs> I went to school and everyone on my floor was on the in the comedy program except for like me and my roommate who were in like the advertising and graphic design. And uh, that was interesting. All of them trying to be funny like simultaneously yeah, all who, the time. Who's the worst impressionists? Oh my God. <laughs> Every, they don't talk to you. That You never know what their normal voice is because they'll talk to you in like Al Pacino <laughs> and all these other things that they do, like Muppets and shit. And it's just like, dude, don't you have your own identity? And they're like, oh, okay, you, well, are you friends with Frank weren't that bad, but you know. Yeah. Are you friends with Anyways. Frank Caliendo, Steve? Who's that? Oh, you don't know Frank yeah. Caliendo? He's that a really annoying guy who, uh, he, it he's sounds like, familiar. He's like the most famous impressionist going right now. Yeah. He's like a, a, a heavier set guy. He does like everybody's like John Madden. He does Al Pacino. Uh, I okay. can't. I can't. I don't like. I don't like a lot of stand up comedy as mm. it is. I cannot stand impressionists, mm. and I hate, 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 hate ventriloquists. I can't stand <laughs> Jeff them. Dunham that, is Jeff, not your yeah, friend. Yeah, that that dude. No. <laughs> I, I if I hear one more like joke be, about wood. Or or just whatever. What? <laughs> the conversations that they have in these stand-up shows are is, is pitiful. It doesn't make me laugh at all. Yeah. Vichonkists are they scare me a little bit too. I weep. Yeah, after that episode of Buffy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That episode is really scary. I like the yeah. episode of Angel when Angel turns into a puppet. Well that's awesome. But that's not ventriloquism. <laughs> no. There's an actual like in season one or something. Because they're still in high school. Yes, I remember Anyways. that episode. That was a good episode. Yeah. Very they cool. make you. They're they're really creepy. Or the Anyways. or the uh, the dummy, the Twilight Zone. Yeah, oh, yeah. that yeah. is amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's my. I think that might be on like my top five favorite Twilight Zones. Let's just talk about scary dolls. Yeah, that clown yeah. and poltergeist. <laughs> that thing is. Oh scary. yeah, dude. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Definitely terrifying. I never understood why people were like so terrified of this clown in like the doll and poltergeist. And then I recently mm. watched it, like, I don't know, like five, yeah. six years ago. And I was like, holy shit, that thing's yeah. giving me nightmares. Scary. Like, I scary. just uh, oh. recently watched uh, the movie Dolls mm. that used to scare the living <laughs> shit. Like the the beginning with the teddy bear, mm-hmm. that it, it grows to massive size and then has real claws and it slashes up the parents. I was like, oh my God. Wow. I was like Uh-oh. four when I saw this. <laughs> it scared the shit out of me. There's a lot of really scary toys in Women in Black. Women I haven't yeah. seen that. I wanted to see that. It's important where like there's so many scary toys. I'm like, would you really buy all these scary toys for your? <laughs> yeah, kid? yeah. Really, I had scary. a couple like creepy toys, and I had like all these porcelain dolls and <laughs> stuff. And I had that monkey <laughs> that like claps and oh, God. oh with, with, with the, the symbol. Yeah, the symbol. Yeah, that's yeah. a bad one. Yeah, monkey shines. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were never gathered in a sort of sinister yeah. way. So I mean, <laughs> I had a lot of beanie babies too. So maybe those. Oh, they're very creepy. Oh, yeah. scary. I <laughs> smother you with my bean tummy. I know. My mom called me last week. She's like, "Do you want all these?" I'm like, "No." She's like, "Cause I could like put them in a box and send them to you." E-mail. No. God. <laughs> Don't want them. Yeah. Um, ironically, doll that never scared me, Chucky. 
Never yeah, scared, never well, scared me. He was kind of funny. I've never seen any of the Chucky movies. But he wasn't funny like what the, originally. He was no, he no. turned into he turned funny into funny Chucky. But I, even even as a kid, I was like, it's kind of it's a doll. What was the kid's name? Andy. Yeah, Andy. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that creepy doll from the movie Trick or Treat. Oh yeah, yeah. The oh, that movie's awesome. Oh, Sam. Is that yeah, no, he's not a doll. No, I guess he's just a little pumpkin boy. I'm thinking of I the little like toys that came out of him afterwards. I guess. Oh yeah, that movie took forever to come out on it Blu-ray did. and DVD, and when mm-hmm. it did, it was so worth the wait. That movie's awesome. That's it one of my favorite yeah. like Halloween scary movies. Yeah, it's totally. so good. Totally. Pick that up if you guys haven't been watching it out there. Yeah, yes. Trick or Treat yeah, is awesome. Yes. <laughs> um, because we love scary stuff. <laughs> you do. Um, so uh, we're gonna bit it for news for now. We're gonna move on to this week's releases. Um, because we're gonna need to get out of here because we're about we're running a good time this time. I'm hoping not to go as long as we usually do, which is never gonna happen. So <laughs> I need to move across the country. You do, Stephanie's moving. Wow. So we need to get this going. All right. <laughs> so from Boom Studios, we have Clive Barker's Hellraiser number eleven. We have Steed and Mrs. Peel number two. Yay! Ooh, little topical there. Um, I didn't plan that out at all. <laughs> Angel and Faith, number seven. This is Dark Horse. Um, Drinky Crow Party Lights. I know. That's a great that title. Was, yeah. Yeah. Um, Immortal Demon in the Blood, number three of four. Ooh. <laughs> King Conan the Phoenix of the Sword, number two of four. Are these serious titles? Yes. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Verily. It's Dark Horse. And Yosagi Yojimbo, number 144. He's a rabbit with a sword. <laughs> um... Batman Beyond, this is DC, obviously. Batman Beyond Unlimited, number one. Um, Batman Odyssey, volume two, number five of seven. Um, <laughs> so, so many numbers sometimes in comic books. Uh, DC Universe Online Legends, number 24. Yeah. Gears of War, number 22. Ugh. We have Justice League, number six. Mm. We have Justice League of America Archives, volume 10, hardcover. It's a whopping $60. Um, Legion Secret Origin, number five of six. Looney Tunes, number 205. Oh, boy. Scalped, number 56. Shade, number 5 of 12. Spaceman, number 4. It's such a generic <laughs> name for a comic book. Spaceman. Space well, how about Mr. Terrific? Yeah, uh, well, it's true. A- Alien, number 4. Uh, Thunder, Agents, volume 2, number 4 of 6. Uh, <laughs> Tiny Titans, number 40, f- 49. Uncharted, number 4. And hey. Unwritten, number 34.5. Um Shh. These titles are compiled. That's another one that I've been compiling in Rob's house that I'm never going to get to. Which one? Unwritten. Oh, Unwritten? Yeah. Oh, Oh. I've got that. Oh, well. Well, Waddy Dog. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. The first volume. I bet it's packed up, isn't it? (laughs) Because you're moving. Sorry. All right. Another place. From Dynamite Entertainment, George R.R. Martin's A Game of Thrones, number six. Green Hornet. Green Hornet. Green Green Horton. I'm going to say it the right time the third time. The right way the third time. (laughs) Words. Green Hornet, number 22. Kevin Smith's Bionic Man, number seven. Kirby Genesis, Dragon's Bane, number two. Last Phantom, number 12. Lord of the Jungle, number two. Wow. Robocop Road Trip, number three. (laughs) Fuck yeah. (laughs) Um, Vampirella and the Secret Legion, trade paperback. Voltron, number three. Um, From IDW, we have G.I. Joe. What a piss poor week this is. Yes. Yes. A real American hero. Of course. Annual. Is there any number one. Kind? <laughs> um, Infestation 2, team up number one. Yeah. Joe Hill's <laughs> The Cape, number four. Ugh. Magic the Gathering, number two. Huh. Star Trek, number six. Mm. 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Micro Series number three, um, and Transformers More Than Meets the Eye number one, and Transformers Robots in Disguise number one. From Image, uh, we have Darkness number 100. So that's kind of a big deal, I guess, if you're reading that book. Um, <laughs> which no one here is. Yeah, I just, fancy, fancy, fancy. It would be a good idea for those of you who care. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, we also have Green Wake number 10 coming out, which Steve, you just reviewed on the site. You want to give like a two-sentence review of it real quick, just tell people how it was? It is very much worth your time. Mm-hmm. Fitting with, end to the series? I, I would say so. Uh, really, really quick. Um, Curtis, we was actually given a couple of extra pages to wrap everything up and I do believe that those extra pages really did put a nice spin on the end and I was satisfied. Very nice. Awesome. So you can check their full review up on TalkingComicBooks.com right now. Alright, so after that we have Hackslash, number 13, Invincible, number 89, Netherworld, number 4, Orc Stain, number 7. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> those are very hard to get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Orc goes to the laundromat. You need a very special dry cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> Pigs, number six. Uh, Vessel, number six. Walking Dead, number 94. And Xenoholics, number five. From Marvel, we have Amazing Spider-Man, number 680. Astonishing X-Men, number 47. Avengers, number 23. We have... FF number 15, so that's Future Foundation, mm-hmm. right? Um, we've got Moon Knight number 10. We've got New Avengers number 22. We have got Six Guns number 5. We have 12 number 10 of 12, <laughs> um, which makes sense. Ultimate Comics The Ultimates number 7. Ultimate Comics X Men number 8. We have Venom number 13.4. And that is it from Marvel. Um, and finishing up, we have Xenoscope, Grim Fairy Tales, Myths and Legends. Number 13. Yeah. It's a little deja vu. I feel like I'd done that before. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful garage band. Um, so that is it for Talking Comics for this week. We're going to skip all the crap we did. We, guys, the recording broke. It stopped. It was a recording. We didn't realize it. We had a whole funny, in quotes, outro to yeah. the show. And it all got lost. So you guys are we never going to get to hear it. It'll be on the DVD. Yeah. yeah bonus tracks, yeah. We'll recover the audio for you guys somehow, some way. Um, so that is it for Talking Comics for this week. For Steve. Luna Brothers forever. Bob. I agree. Bob just broke our headphones <laughs> by yelling at us. Let's try that again. Take three. three. <laughs> for Steve. Luna Brothers forever. Bob. I agree. And Stephanie. Jeff Lemire. <laughs> I have been Bobby. Until next week on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs> <laughs>